Okay, this is episode 56 then of um, mine and the Prom King's weekly chats, which I have to say I absolutely love. But yeah, how are you doing, Pete? Doing well, man. Doing well. Uh, yeah, I, I, a funny thing. I actually got something in the mail this week. I was pretty surprised. Uh, I'm going to show it to you. Tell what, me if you the, recognize you it. You got something in the mail? What? You don't get things in the mail that often? Or? No, oh I don't, my usually. God. What do you think of that? Wow. <laughs> I reckon I recognize that straight away. I mean, that, I mean, you know, as iconic as our album artwork was, that is some iconic artwork on the front of that Bright Young Thing <laughs> CD right there. I remember that all too well. Right, so you now have that's got that's got um has that got just just turn that round turn that has that got a track listing on it? Oh yeah, sure does. Yeah, what? Let me see. Oh my god, it has got it's yeah. Well, I mean that it's got angels play on it, which was which <laughs> was what became the dance. Which I, pre- I presume you have listened to that then. I have not because it's funny. All right, so first of all, what thank you very much to you hear to me it. out. Hear me out. Okay, all right. <laughs> So first off, uh, huge thanks and shout out to Sugar Booger. Never met the person, but apparently a big fan of the music um, from Canada and uh, okay. <clears throat> reached out to me and said that they had two copies of this. And so they said, you know, they wanted to put it in my hands. Super appreciative because it's a collector's item. Uh, it's fantastic. It is the Bright Young Things from 2000 and it's got you guys on there. Problem is, you see what it is, right? It's a physical CD. I have no CD players, not on my, nowhere in my house. No drive, no uh, CD drive anywhere. Nowhere, nowhere. I have no way to play this just yet. So I'm, uh, I'm going to work on that. But uh, the good news is, is I actually have it and I'm super excited. So I was like, oh, I can't wait to actually play it. But yeah, it's a full on CD. It's got the, it's got all the art and stuff like that. So this is, yeah, uh, yeah. this is actually remember, pretty cool. I remember doing it because we, d- we did that in Sponge Studios in Leeds, uh, which every band used to practice in, man. Um, that were a really cool studio that, especially because they had like a pool table as well. And like, as I've, as I've often talked about it, like that was our problem. If there was a pool table or table football, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, Oh, fuck, don't send us there, man. We'll never get any work done. Like, honestly, the games, the table foot, like, when we were recording at Townhouse doing his very first EP, the amount of bloody table football games we had were absolutely unbelievable. And you know what it's like as well. It, like, it gets to a point where it's, like, quite heated, you know what I mean? Especially when, oh, yeah. all, like, we've just been spending so much time with each other and then we're all on this table football. I don't know, it was just kind of a bit of a moment for a bit of competitiveness to come out. <laughs> Are you, when it comes to food, because you call it football, but I'm assuming you're talking about foosball, right? Same thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I fancy no spinning. myself a foosball player. No spinning. There's no that spinning. That was going to be my question. No spinning. I know it was. <laughs> I know that was going to be your question. There is no, if someone comes, if someone enters a game of table football and they start spinning, it's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not entertaining that. And they look at you and you're like, what? That's what you're supposed to do? You're like, no, you're not. Yeah. If, if You can actually pass it from man to man if you're any good and you've got yeah, any coordinations. So stop spinning it because any idiot can spin it and just hope that it smacks the ball. Yeah, and hope that you it randomly pass, after three corners finally goes in, yeah. Yeah, man, uh, you got a pass. That was That's the best thing about table football when you like link up even one pass. Like you pass to your striker and you're like, bang. <laughs> and then you start going like pretty celebrating. Good. You start going yeah, not yeah. celebrating on person or the team. You can just see him going, all right. No, all right. no, you're pushing it now. All right. No, fucking sit down. Fucking sit down. I know you've won, but fucking sit down. So I feel like I'm pretty good. But boy, oh boy, I must say, you know, regionally, the European region has much better foosball players than America, in my experience. Because <laughs> I went to like a, an event overseas and there was a bunch of European guys there. And I see the tables at this event. I'm like, ooh, I like, I like foosball. I'm pretty good. Man, I, they wiped me up and down <laughs> this table. I was so embarrassed. I was like, I thought, I mean, usually when I play people, I'm the guy that everyone's like, whoa. And man, these, and it happened to me multiple times in Europe. Apparently it's a thing in Europe. But yeah, the... Yeah, like I'm sitting there like, okay, I know what he's going to do. I'm blocking. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I'm playing goalie, you know, and all of a sudden it's in and I'm just like, wow, that was loud and embarrassing. So, yeah, that's that's been my experience with foosball. I love it. But boy, playing the Europeans tends to be a little depressing. So in your experience, is it the Americans that tend to spin more instinctively than Europeans, would you say? Definitely some. But yeah, because I haven't seen a lot of Europeans spin, but the, uh, you know. The ones in my experience that, yeah, some do. But even the ones that don't spin in the States, I feel like I, I feel like I rank higher. <laughs> but in Europe, yeah. I, I don't, I don't even think I make the board. So, but if you're good, you know, compl- I'll take my chances a- with you when we go to the UK. 
Yeah, and that is a completely random conversation about table football there. <laughs> yeah, completely out of the blue. That, that is the beauty of this podcast. Sometimes we talk... <laughs> where, where on earth, where on God's green earth were we going originally? We were talking about that um, that CD that you've received through the party. I mean, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's really cool. Uh, and as soon as like you held that anywhere near the camera, I recognised that. I remember it. I remember it all too well, that front cover. And yeah, I remember recording it at Sponge and... I mean, it would be it would be interesting to hear that version of well, it's the dance basically. But I just remember that that version being a lot more I don't know how to describe it abstract. Do you know what I mean? And then like it, it's a more it became a more focused, raucous thing. Um, so this CD is not the live competition. In other words, you guys after the competition, everybody that was in the competition went out and actually recorded it. Well, now that's a very good question. Just hold it up and show me again on the back. That's a very good question. I mean, we did go and record it, but I thought we kind of won the studio time. That's a very good question. That maybe does it say live? Does it say live recording anywhere? I mean, maybe no. I'm sure that's the sponge. Does it not say recorded at Sponge or like that on it? Let's see. Because I'm sure as a prize, as it basically as a prize, we got. I mean, we got some recording time in Sponge. So maybe that is just a live version. I mean, I've got that. I've got the MP3s of that. Um, the mm-hmm. MP4s even. I've got video of Bright Young so It thing. doesn't say live, but it's got other bands, right? Like yeah, tell Charlie you what, Six, Wide, Rion, it, uh, obviously Incense, Northern Sounds, Vaguely yeah, Twisted. Yeah, they were all the bands involved in Bright Young Things, but I just can't, I'd, I don't know if they'd have recorded over the city. Maybe it is live. Mm. Um, but yeah, I tell you what, that's something we can do on Patreon, like a, a watch along of Bright Young Things, because I've got all that footage. So that'd be quite cool. I oh yeah, that sounds fun. Wouldn't do a play along to it. We'd just watch that and chat about it. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's enough about uh, table football, anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode uh, with Rob. Um, that was loved. That obviously. I mean, it's just so nice oh, yeah. these days being able to have conversations like that with Rob. Do you know what I mean? Um, obviously, for a while it wasn't like that. So to be in a place now where we're able to have those conversations, and you see what I considered like not important but sort of the one of the heart the part of the heart of this podcast basically is kind of introducing that relationship and bringing a window to it you know what i mean sort of in a because i don't know like our enthusiasm for our own music and our memories for when it was really great and all that stuff i just think it you know it's infectious yeah. stuff man so when any when any of the lads come on um i absolutely love it and you know when Rob came on first time, it was you know it was it, it wasn't sort of bit sweet, but it was um, you know it was almost like clearing the air in some regards. And you know there were parts of that that weren't comfortable for Rob, weren't comfortable for me or whatever. Um, but it, I thought it was really nice this time to um, you know to have the kind of chat we did, and I think it was really. It added it added extra insight into what I'd said in the previous episode when we were talking about strength, um, and I, th- I think obviously gave further context to uh, to that process and and also the, the you know the, the state of mind that we were in when we were making that record or whatever or what it was like to be in the yeah. band at that time. So um, yeah, to have oh Rob on like that that was great, and there's been some really really great responses as well on on Twitter and stuff and other places, some really great comments. When he talked about. Uh being on the tour bus and like using the the bunk as his suitcase <laughs> and then just looking for the dry clothes <laughs> uh that was that, that that made me laugh pretty I, I definitely laughed out loud on that one. <laughs> oh, mate so me too i mean stuff like you know having the same pants on for three days and stuff like that and just stuff just little things like that just make you laugh so much it just used to remind me of like when i used to live at home still and we were touring and i'd come back off tour and my mum would just call like adam like, where have, where have all your pants gone? And I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? They're in my suitcase. And she's like, what? no, they're not. How do you lose so many pants? I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I want to wear them any less. I've no, I've no idea what that were about, to be honest. But I guess it was probably to do, like, on any tour bus, as Rob said, like, not only do you put stuff in your own bunk, there's often, like, two, like, sometimes there'll be two, maybe even three bunks that aren't used. And they'll just get filled with everyone's shit. Do you know what I mean? So, like, you can always lose a pair of jeans yeah. or, or, you know, all that sort of stuff. I assume that's where they went anyway. 
I also liked uh, when you guys were talking about the inconceivable odds, you know, I, I did not know that that was the actual version that you recorded in your room. I assumed you guys went and re-recorded that. So that was interesting. It was also interesting to hear Rob reflect on, you know, that being the last time that you guys collaborated creatively, which I thought was actually a pretty cool thing to hear. I was glad to be, you know, it's, it was cool that that was actually captured and recorded, you know, pretty awesome conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, man, absolutely, absolutely. I love reflecting on that. I love remembering it myself, um, and that's why I enjoyed that episode so much. But uh, yeah, you know, t- reflecting on the inconceivable odds, asp- uh, the fact that it was pretty much 100% the recordings that were done in my bedroom. I mean, to be honest, there's a, a lot of that record. Um, I mean, I don't know how much I've talked about it before. I don't know whether I, we actually have gone into the process of recording it. I think, we, you know, I've kind of gone over it loosely, I think, but... You know, like the, the the process of taking these songs out of my bedroom, effectively, and then, you know, to the rest of the lads to sort of get them up and running and then to the stage where we were recording them. That was an interesting process in itself because that was that was when we were, we were um, embracing technology to the degree where we were starting to use sample, more samples and, and tracks running along. Because, I mean, a lot of that came from the fact that you know, I, I, when I built these tracks, it, so it was a case of the kind, a lot of a lot of it is reliant on the the sounds. Do you know what I mean? And like a lot of the synthesizers and weird things that were going on. Yeah. For me, it was a case of if you take too much of that away, it's going to totally change what it is. And you know, that's one thing I felt I really had was an an incredibly strong vision of how I wanted um, that sort of record to sound. To be honest, and that process was quite difficult because. I mean, you know, we we had all these, we, everything was on my hard drive and I'm pretty sure I've told the story of the hard drive getting bloody deleted. I'm pretty sure I've told that. I think I might have told that on a YouTube video. Yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. I've, I've told it anyway. Uh, I mean, there was two incidents of that. Wasn't there but a yeah, guy I mean, that was, uh, you, you, you put him on the back of the album, his name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was Alex. Yeah, Alex the Eraser. That's correct. The Eraser. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was the quandary really was, as I say, we built these tracks and I'd kind of, because that's one thing I loved massively about making Strength in Numbers um, is that because it all came out of my bedroom, effectively, and a lot of, you know, apart from obviously the finer elements of the drums, what became the drum tracks and the bass elements, um, I just had free reign with it. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, at that time, I had very little social life. I mean, I've never had a massive social life other than sort of very close friends, but it was just a joy to spend like all my days thinking about those tracks and like well you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go upstairs and try this and try that and see if that takes Mm -hmm. the energy in a different place and all these sorts of things um so as i say when when we when we actually came to record it properly when we went to uh, townhouse in london with flood and paul hartnell from orbital it, it was really difficult for me because it was it was like i didn't want to it was a it was a a balancing act trying to keep what was already there so the basically the point being anyway that a lot of the guitars um i mean obviously we you know we put everything it's difficult to describe to people who've never been through the process but basically we took everything from my hard drives and put it into you know into the desk at townhouse and got it all up and you know refined it here and there and started adding you know proper started adding phil playing you know proper drums and sort of refining that and then Stu playing all his bits but there is a hell of a lot of that record that is just still as it was when it came out of my you know come out of the bloody bedroom effectively yeah on the little digi design 002 desk that i was using and i think as well pete as like one thing i think part of the reason as well was as i said to rob i, I think there's still big fans of ours who don't even know about that record and i know we've, we've talked <laughs> about that a little bit but i think that was a part of the reason why i thought it was good to get this you know for us both to talk a little bit more up although i'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast would have would have realized those things but I just had a slightly anecdotal incident recently where someone has passed on a message to someone I know basically saying, well, someone was in hospital basically and one of the nurses, it turns out, is a fan of the music and she said, oh yeah, you know, I, I love the two albums that they released and the cost and turned around and went, well, it's actually three albums and they were like, <laughs> oh really? And you're like, what the fuck, you know what I mean? How the fuck? But I, I suppose that, that's just indicative of, uh, well, you know, as I, as I, as I spoke to Rob about, or as we touched on, um, I think there was the record label kind of, you know, I don't want to, saying let, let us down is, sounds harsh really, but I don't think that it, we 
got anywhere near the amount of exposure we needed for people to even know that that record were out anyway. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's very. It was lovely to reflect on it with Rob in that way, and um, it w- it's, it'd be really great just to have Rob come back on and just talk about you know just life on bus and stuff like that because he's incredibly funny when he just starts talking about stuff ridiculously funny ridiculous yeah, so, sure. you know that's why i missed him so much do you know what i mean that's why i missed him so much for 10 years because he just it brings that um that infectious energy yeah and then, you sure. know that which was crucial to this band crucial to the sound of this band um all those things a lot of it revolved around rob's energy do you know what i mean oh yeah it definitely uh listening to that episode this past week definitely uh renewed my interest in the third album not like it what needed to be renewed but i definitely found myself playing it a lot more man i just yeah. love fire man i love them all but i found myself driving down the road the other day fire on volume 10 just like yeah. killing it and i was like oh, i'm gonna wreck my car i need to slow down <laughs> yeah i love fire i love fire it's one of one of my favorite Stu coleman bass lines is that absolutely love it oh yeah it's got that proper driving energy do you know what i mean um oh yeah and it's not even, do you know what I mean? It's not even ridiculously melodic. It's actually quite monotone, but it's just powerful, man. Do you know what I mean? It's just got that sort of call to arms feel about it that makes you want to get Yeah, up. exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It feels like a call to arms. I don't know what what we're calling arms for, but I'm I'm, I'm in line. <laughs> yeah, <man>. For sure. <laughs> Side note, um, there's this little Cuban joint that I go to a lot here in Raleigh. Oh, yeah. And um, I was there the other day and this guy, you know, I was picking up my food and this guy was like, uh, I don't know how we got onto the topic, but. He was like, oh, what do you do? I was like, oh, I do some podcasting and this and that. And he, I do one for music. And he was like, and he, that piqued his interest. He's like, oh, what kind of music? And I was like, oh, honestly, we focus on this band called The Music. It's an indie rock band. And he's like, oh, I, I love I love indie rock, this and that. And he hadn't heard of you guys. And I was like, yeah, it's called The Music, whatever. And then, uh, you know, I hadn't gone there in a couple of weeks. And I went back there this past week. And uh, right away, he came out from the back. He's like, hey, I heard your podcast. I heard the music. I absolutely love them. Those guys are awesome. So... Shout out to oh, my really? guy from the Cuban restaurant. He's a new new fan of the music and a new fan of the podcast right here in Raleigh. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! That I tell you what, I'll have to get myself over there, and, and you can uh, you can take me over, and I'll get we'll get some free Cuban food out of it. I'm sure. <laughs> Is it worth the plane ride? I'll buy your Cuban food if you come over. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Just sort of put me in a just drug me and put me in a big flight case. It's all right. You know, as long as I'm unconscious, I won't know. That's fine. I like it. You know, that anyone who wants to get me on a plane, that's how you do it. You just have to knock me out. But I'm quite tall. Um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of flying, uh, it's something you're going to have to start thinking about soon, isn't it? Oh, yeah. My wife already said to me, give me the dates. What's going on? So are we really going to the UK? Are we really going to go see this band or what? <laughs> <laughs> are we re- that, I mean, did she really say it like that, Pete? Or did she really say it like, are we really going to see this fucking band? Are you really going to drag me to look? There better be some fucking pretty shit there for me to look at, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. She thinks all my music is basically white boy music, so... <laughs> she's like are we really gonna do this okay fine all right as long as i can go and visit some cool stuff so (laughs) that's exactly what she fucking said (laughs) so yeah we're we're definitely uh you know obviously glasgow and then uk but then after after the whole you know week or so we're gonna head over to uh to portugal for a little while and uh hang out there so looking forward to that as well so i will be doing another little european stint i have to take advantage of it if i'm over there i can't just go to one place Fucking hell, man. You're like some sort... I don't even know what you are, man. Fucking hell. Fucking international I'm like Euro jet- trash, man. I love it. <laughs> international jet-setting podcaster who just seems to pop up in these random, exclusive, extravagant <laughs> places. Bloody hell. Eh? Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's crazy because that's like, you know, we're looking at, you know, starting to you know figure out what dates we're going to be where and it's i'm realizing holy cow it is coming up so I know. what about what about the band i know you guys have had some meetings and things but how do and i don't need to know all the details obviously but i just want to make sure that they're on somebody's calendar there is make sure there are shirts there make sure there's going to be things that we can buy like uh I yeah, don't know. yeah yeah oh, yeah 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 don't worry <laughs> about all that i mean yeah, the ball is roll. The ball is rolling on that front. Um, but as you say, it's not very long to go at all, really, is it? But yeah, and you and I got a plan because I know, uh, you know, we want to do some things while we're there. Whether it's doing some live streams, uh, mm. doing some recordings, uh, you know, capturing yeah. some content. I'm looking forward to you know, you know, taking advantage of that time. Somebody had said on Twitter, or no, it was on the live stream. It made me laugh. They said that uh, the very first picture of Adam and Pete is going to go viral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh man, I mean, I can't wait for that. I don't, uh, you know, that's going to be absolutely awesome. Um, we are doing, 
I think we're we're doing a week, maybe a bit more of what we what you refer to as pre-production rehearsals. Um, but uh, so that might be a good opportunity. You might be able to, you might be able to come down there. What do you know when you are planning to get to the UK? No, I'm still I think you'd already work be, out those details. I think I think you must already. You'd probably already be there though by that point. Yeah. Although, if you depends if you are going straight up to, to Glasgow. No, I'm not going straight to Glasgow. I'm going. I'm going right. to. Pretty sure I want to come to Leeds and take care, take advantage of some time prior to that, and then head up to Glasgow. Yeah, um, it might be cool if we try and get you out to production rehearsals or something like that. Um, we'll see how that see how that vibe goes. Um, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, there'll be all sorts of opportunities for content. I mean, I know, you know, I know we sort of discuss this a lot on this podcast, these sorts of topics, but I guess, you know, the, it's kind of summer. It's a big, it's a, one of the catalysts of why this podcast even started. So it's always going to be referred to. And I know that everyone listening to this podcast can't wait as much as me and Pete. Um, but yeah, obviously there's going to be fucking merch, man. Of course there is. Not going to, you know. We're not going to miss out on that on that opportunity to get some cool merch. Um, yeah, and one of the first thing when I first started Twitter and this all started again, that's one of the first things I did is I got in touch with Martin from the North Clothing Line, which I just used to wear all the time, man. And um, he, I think he must have just sent us some free samples, and we we all started wearing it quite a lot. Stu wore it as well. I think we all did, but I just used yeah. to wear nothing else. It was either the North or Bench. I went through like different periods. Um, well, yeah, that's one of the first things I did was um, sort of speak to speak to Martin from the North and get him to uh, do a mock up of the North with our logo sort of coming through it. And I remember putting those up, and people went mad for those. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? They they would they they'd be really popular if we do those. And um, oh yeah, for sure. That, you know that's that's quite exciting stuff that we'll get to decide on. I mean, to be honest, the next thing. I mean, it's been difficult because obviously we, we haven't been a, a band for 10 years. So there's a lot of really, uh, really important stuff that when you're a functioning band, uh, continually working, that important stuff is just intrinsic to everyday life. It just, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, a structure uh, uh, that's always there. Whereas because we're not, we haven't been a band for 10 years, all that sort of structure of the stuff that makes things so easy, it's kind of fallen apart, obviously, in terms of, you know, our old setup, how it used to work and the people that oh, used yeah. to know how it worked and all those things. So that, I mean, as as people could have seen from my videos, uh, especially when we first started rehearsals and my worries about my equipment and all that stuff, I mean, that is a, a wi- that's a small window and a great example and a sort of holistic view of the, of, of the problem of a whole, really. Do you know what I mean? It's like we are pulling ourselves as a band out of a fucking decrepit garage and we've been in there for 10 years so everything you know everything's you know sort of needs looking at so it's taken us a long time we what we've just been doing is we we've just been doing our best to take any opportunity we can to get together and just play in in whatever way we can and sort of throwing it together with you know i've been using all kinds of guitar stuff but you know loving it and getting along with it yeah i keep waiting for Stu to show up in your uh in the zoom here right next to you i'm waiting for him (laughs) to plug in that blue guitar and let's see what happens well yeah man (laughs) um so there's been a there's been a bit of frustration trying to tie everything together, but obviously last summer and that we were I mean the first was it our first rehearsal where we went in and it was oh, fucking hell it was unbearable it was it must have been forty degrees in that room I mean it was it was near nigh on thirty degrees outside and it was just stifling in that room but I remember that practice very well but yeah we've been taking little opportunities like that and just playing I mean the the great thing is. Like every time we've played, it's been a case of this fucking, do you know what I mean? Other than the, you know, what happens if that breaks and what happens if that breaks? Other than those yeah. questions, in terms of playing, it's, a, it's the easiest thing in the world. I mean, obviously I'm speaking from a musician point of view. I'm not trying to speak to Rob, who's obviously quite concerned about getting, you know, the necessary <coughs> out of his voice. Um, yeah. But from a, certainly from a band point of view, we have got no worries at all. Yeah, our worries have been much more centered around what you what you call housekeeping stuff. Do you know what I mean? What you, really boring stuff that is actually, unfortunately, really important. It's like silly things, silly things as yeah. well. Where like you know that needs a that needs to work and it needs a redundancy, and you're like, well, bang, three grand, and you're like, what? Fucking, you know, <laughs> can we do it any other way? You're like, nope. You're like, oh, fuck yes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it, these sorts of well you know the point i'm trying to make anyway it's just trying to trying to get ourselves up to modern standard technically rather than playing wise and all that all that is absolutely fine the other thing as well is everyone's really busy 
Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, Rob and Phil and Stu as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, really busy, and I'm locked away in the studio most of the time writing stuff. Although I can make myself available as and when, um, but it's it's been I won't say a nightmare, but it's been interesting trying to tie everyone up. Do you know what I mean? In terms of oh, being yeah. in the same room at the same time, and we've kind of had to bring extra people in to help do that because we're all so fucking disorganized honestly <laughs> like we've got a whatsapp group chat where all this stuff gets discussed and like more people just keep getting added to this group chat like we're chatting away and like get, getting a bit like well i don't fucking know i don't fucking know either and then suddenly someone new appears and goes right can i sort this out and then after a few weeks when it's not sorted <laughs> out someone else pops up and you're like fucking hell is this gonna just gonna keep filling up with people until this shit gets sorted but to be honest that's what we need i mean us far as we're just disorganized we always were always were disorganized because we never did this we you know we never fucking did oh apart from turn yeah, up yeah and we were in the studio we'd write a shit and then apart from that we'd just turn up you know we never we never organized anything or did anything so it's been a lot of the problem has been trying to pull all that together but we've had a meeting since and everyone's scheduled and we have got a schedule now um and yeah, really looking forward to getting into into those rehearsals, really. Um, well, yeah, I mean, there's a very different skill set from being a musician and being like a, a project manager. <laughs> These are very oh, different absolutely. things. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah, completely. Yeah, not saying that project managers can't be musicians, but certainly, uh, yeah, I wouldn't expect you to be both. Yeah, um, yeah it's funny, actually, because there's quite a few tour managers who are sort of musicians, ex-musicians as well, sort of retired musicians or whatever. It's, you know, it's... Tour manager, tour managing's a. I mean, we'll have to get a tour manager on. We'll have to get a few tour managers on because that is a. It's a. I won't say a thankless task, but it's a difficult one. Do you know what I mean? Oh, dealing I can only with, imagine. Yeah, dealing with that many people's bullshit. And the thing is, like, if you're in an office environment and you're dealing with people's bullshit, you will be dealing with people's bullshit that generally operates within the realms of reasonable things. <laughs> yeah, sure. When you are a tour manager for a band. You know, you are not always dealing with reasonable, reasonable situations, reasonable requests, reasonable people. You can't <laughs> enter into that world and sort of stand there and go, "Well, fucking hell, that's not, that's not my problem." It's like, fuck, I think you'll find it is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, uh. Do you have a writer that's like really obnoxious? Is that what you're saying? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. No, we we never had um we never had any. We were never we were never a problem as a band. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of bands that get a reputation, we were never one of those. But ba- I mean, we had a reputation for being really loud. But other than that, we weren't like. I mean, we were fucking kids. So the worst that we do. Sorry for swearing there, but we were kids, and the worst that we do is we play football and do you know what i mean uh, or when we were really young we'd just childishly have food fights in dressing rooms which used to really irritate people and i <laughs> i used to remember thinking what's your fuck what's your problem do you know what i mean we was having a laugh but um that is obnoxious fact, i have to say i can, I can <laughs> in fact i can remember i can remember several fucking incidents now. i can remember several <laughs> Remember several incidents uh, we got thrown out of one hotel room because I um I threw an egg and cress sarnie at uh, someone's oh. face and it was a perfect shot. It was a perfect shot. Um I split I split this egg and cress sarnie and I threw it and it just and it the, the lad who I threw it at was looking the other way and at the last second he turned and it just became one with his face in oh. the most satisfying slappy sound I've ever heard. It fucking stuck to his face and then he turned and looked at me, peeled this egg and crestani off, threw it back at me. I ducked, but the egg and crestani obviously then just adhered itself to the hotel room wall. But the fact oh. of the matter was, I had another egg and crestani, which I then obviously split in two, and he got another fucking half of egg and crestani at him. But he ducked that time. That slapped against the wall. We were giggling so much at this point, the fucking security or hotel manager or whoever knocked on the door. We opened the door with bloody splish draping out of his mouth, and then egg and crestani stuck to the wall, and he just went, get out. Oh, we we I mean we got through out of a, a place in Birmingham. I mean that was ridiculous though. That I don't know if I told that. Makes me feel like I've told that story on a YouTube video. Oh, that that, that was really toxic though. To be honest, that was a weird, that was a weird place we stayed there. But yeah, there were one night after a gig where there were all twelve of us rammed into an hotel room, and we 
Half the time with Ryder as well. They in, give in all one kinds room? of shit, man. In one room? Yeah. About, well, yeah, we're not all sleeping in one room, obviously. We've, ah, we've, okay. We, okay. We've got, we've got, uh, we've got, uh, everyone's got rooms, but obviously we're having a fucking party. Got so it, ev- everyone goes to one room, don't they? You can't have a party when you're all in your own room, Pete. Come on, this is how parties work. Come on. Uh. I don't know about you and your Cuban <laughs> mate, but this is how parties work. <laughs> So yeah, we were all all in this one room, and we're taking all Ryder in there. But as I was, I was as I was saying, half the time you don't you don't eat half the shit on Ryder. You end up like with a thousand bag of Doritos and a thousand bags of kettle chips and a billion peanuts. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't eat the amount of peanuts that sometimes you get on a fucking Ryder. Do you know what I mean? You get like <laughs> fucking six kilograms of, of peanuts and then three bottles of beer, and you're just like, can we trade these peanuts for some beer? It's not even for me. I don't drink it for fucking crew. You tight bastards. <laughs> but basically, yeah, this hotel room ended up just covered in peanuts but i've never seen it like it you couldn't see floor you couldn't see beds you couldn't see jack fucking shit all you could see were peanuts and of course this just amazed that just completely it was hilarious and there was 12 of us in there and again they knocked on the door and kicked off with us and we got and we got thrown out but <laughs> i remember it with absolute fondness um and the next uh, you know that uh, god knows how they cleaned that place out it must have been absolutely ridiculous because there were fucking peanuts everywhere <laughs> Oh my goodness! I can only imagine the people cleaning up being like, "Ah, oh, rock and roll bands." <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was a that was a point I was making, really. Other than the peanut in hotels, but in terms of like being at venues, we've never been a problem, really. The only time, like, I think we sometimes like to have <clears throat> a, a longer than usual sound check, and that that used to sometimes rub. Um, venue people up the wrong way it's difficult really because you have to understand you've got a strange dynamic when you're a touring band I mean fair enough it depends it can depend on the type of venue but a lot of the times you'll be going into a venue you know so it's, even if it's between 500 people and 2000 it doesn't really matter the size they're all the same they will be run they, they will have an in-house crew do you know what I mean yeah. they'll have an in, in-house crew that'll, that'll operate there whenever there isn't you know a um, what you'd refer to as a, a professional touring band coming through with their own people and stuff like that. But what you actually find when you have when you have a gig is uh, nine times out of ten it's fine. But you do have wankers. Obviously, wankers are in every industry, and sometimes you can go into these venues and you can feel great hostility. So as I say, the venue will have a venue manager. It'll have its own sound guy. It'll have its own lighting engineer. It'll have its own backline tech, and they're all the people we've got coming in. And sometimes you can get a clash there. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, most of the time, when people are reasonable and their job on that day is to assist our guys. But we, we've had strange situations where, it's like, shit's kicked off. I remember being once... I remember playing... A, I'm sure it was Brighton. And I'm not being funny, but the, the dynamic in that situation is very clear. We are, yeah. effectively, we are hiring this uh, this establishment. Do you know what I mean? And, like... And I don't, I don't want to sound like a wanker when I'm saying that because I'm not. It's just what's expected, and that's what you get in the majority of places. And the thing is, you know, it's about respecting it. And respect, respect is shown both ways. Yeah, it's interesting because you can have some very interesting clashes, and you need a very strong character as a tour manager to deal with those things. And I can tell you right now, no one listening to this podcast will have any idea what kind of people do that fucking job and what kind of people <laughs> you really need to do that fucking job properly in certain environments. Do you know what I mean? You need, you mm. need people who don't take any shit. Um, but, you know, you, obviously everything works with respect. But when you come up in a situation where you're not getting it, you need someone who's just able to just, with a gentle arm, ease aside anyone who's causing any sort of friction for us. Do you know what I mean? And we yeah. had a situation where we were... Uh, we were trying to refine, I think it was a new song or something in Soundcheck, because obviously being as, about a band like we were, touring as much as we were, we didn't really get much chance to write. And yeah, you can't force, yeah, sure. force yourself, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes we used to take opportunities in Soundchecks. And basically, one venue manager just took exception to how long we were soundchecking and started getting really arsy with us. And I was just like, right, okay. you know, Because I'm not being, I'm not being funny. I don't know whether it's evident or whether it's not, but... I'm not the kind of person you want in that situation, really. Um, so I just very calmly put my guitar down and went and got the tour manager. And we're just like, can you just deal with this gent? It fucking kicked off. Do you know what I mean? It kicked <laughs> off. Yeah. You got this, you got this, I'm not being funny, but you got this prick standing there, obviously thinking he's Billy Big Bollocks. And it's like, what is your problem, mate? Do you know what I mean? What's your yeah. fucking problem? We're coming in here to do a gig and, and we meant, you know, have fun. And you're just being a prick because like, is this your fucking castle, is it, or something? Get the fuck out of here. Do you know what I mean? There's been some 
there's been some situations like that and I've heard some brilliant stories like the Happy Monday, some of the situations they got into. And yeah, I, I you know, I, it's probably quite a candid thing to say really, but some of the scariest people I've ever met in my fucking life are tour managers. And the tour managers for really, really big, um, you know, powerhouse rock outfits that cause real carnage. Mm. The people you need looking after people in that situation can often be... Um, a necessary evil, shall we say? And I'm not. I'm not tiring. I'm not. That's not a brush. I'm tiring every tour manager in the world with. Do not get me wrong, but I'm just saying from from someone who's been in in that environment with with like some of these people. It's, like there's some pretty fucking hardcore dudes. Like you know, tour managing. I'm not going to say any names or out like that, but it is a fucking hard job. It is a hard job, and you're dealing with so many people's bullshit. And you know, a lot of the time you deal as I've as I've detailed, you're dealing with people's unreasonable bullshit <laughs> have you ever played at a temple newsome before as a band have you guys ever like yeah played there yeah. yeah um how many times at least twice is it three times so we played there i mean we um one of the one of the prizes for winning bright young things was performing at temple <laughs> newsome as part of um, what's called Bree- Breeze Festival, it's called, which was, you know, back in the day, it was a very pop-centric. I once watched E17 there, and they're like, honestly, I've never fucking seen anything like it in my life. You've seen Game of Thrones, mate? You've seen Game of Thrones? Like, oh, yeah. Or any sort of fire volley, any sort of fire volley where just thousands of arrows, thousands of flaming arrows to launch in unison, do you know what I mean? Like, we were stood at the back of this crowd anyway at Breeze, and fucking E17 came up. We were only there for a laugh, what can I say? But honestly, fucking hell, I've never seen any as many flying projectiles launched at once as when they came on stage. Pete, you'll have no <laughs> idea who E17 are. It's not really relevant. They were just a, a, an obnoxious, um, quite hated, cheesy band at the time. And yeah, point being anyway, that fucking hell, they got some pelters. But like, And the funny thing was watching them trying to do their dance routines while obviously realising, right, the first few of these that hit me actually fucking hurt, so now I'm going to have to do the rest of this set actively avoiding these fucking things. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, it stopped in the middle of this set and he just went, I'm going to get you afterwards, you see you. I'm not going to finish that line, I'm not going to go that far. But this is to a fan, man, do you know what I mean? Well, to be fair, yeah. this is to a bloke that just threw a bottle of piss at him, to be fair. So whether you refer <laughs> to that as a fan or not. But you have got to have thick skin in this business, mate. I took a fucking jam jar to my fucking throat on stage. Do you know what I mean? You have got to have thick skin if you're going to be on stage, honestly. And, you know, like the amount of times where people have come on stage and you're like, oh, what is this guy going to do? Half the time, they have a little bit of a dance and then they jump off at front. But you never know. Sometimes they fucking throw themselves onto lap at drummer while he's playing a song. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> So I, I realise I've just gone on a massive rant. I can't remember what we're talking about or anything. You can leave this bit in, Pete. It's fine. But say something, Pete. Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely going to bring a jam jar with me to uh, Temple Newsom. <laughs> fucking hell. That, that's, that, yeah, I shouldn't have fucking said that, actually. I don't. No one wants a glass jar thrown at them while they were on stage, honestly. No, nah, that's insane. That's oh, insane. I had to fight so many emotions just to go, all right, stop, 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 stop. Over that, who threw it? Someone knew, someone knows who threw that jar of jam. Come on. Oh, I, oh, I saw no. David Lee Roth do that in, in Spain. I was in Madrid and I watched David Lee Roth and somebody somebody winged something at him and he stopped mid-song and he just started <laughs> losing his mind. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, I, who the, f-? you know, and I was like, wow, he's he's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck me! I, I tell you what, I can laugh about it now, mate. Fucking hell! I want I want laughing at the time. I was absolutely furious because it fucking killed. It launched yeah. this full jar of jam at me and hit me right in throat, and I just like, oh god, that hurt. But I'm not even going to look up and like acknowledge that it hit me. Fucking hell! I was just thinking, is that hit me in face or in mouth? Like I'd have no fucking teeth left. You know what I mean? I'd still be playing two grand a fucking week to get my teeth sorted out. Um. Oh well, yeah, sounds like uh, it's going to be some fun. I'm looking forward, looking forward to both Glasgow and uh, Temple Newsome for sure. Uh, I can't oh, believe yeah, how man. close the, it is. We need to start doing a yeah. countdown coming up pretty soon. Probably maybe from 100 days down or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, that probably be that probably be a decent. I mean, that's just going to fly in absolutely no time. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't wait, man. I don't even know if I don't even know if Glasgow sold out. I assume it has because I've seen some people saying I can't get tickets. Um, but yeah, it's going to be wild. It's going to be wild, and you know. We're, there's no doubt we're going to be ready as much as we can, but 
it's going to be very interesting, the first few notes of the first song, you know what I mean? And um, we're just all of it. It's, you know, all of it's just going to be a mad novelty for me. Honestly, like, fuck it, it sounds yeah. mad, man. But the amount of nights I've sat there and thought, fuck, I'd fucking love to do that again. Do you know what I mean? And to actually get to do it again. You know, two different things, really, isn't it? Um, but Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that myself. Oh, yeah. Another thing as well, which I did think was quite interesting, um, was some po- those polls that I were running on Twitter. I mean, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you won't have seen those. Uh, so I'm quite bad at that, really. I, d- I tend to really sort of communicate well almost always almost exclusively on twitter rather than instagram and facebook on that Mm -hmm. and but yeah i did some polls uh, because someone asked me the question of which i considered to be the definitive recording of walls get smaller um so my instant response was i don't fucking know (laughs) it's not something i've ever thought about to be honest and then i thought well you know let's uh let's look into that because it's fascinating, really, and it's something that I... It's only ever occurred to me a few times. I know it sounds mad, but, you know, it's its a secret track on the second album, yet it was such an yeah. intrinsic part of the first album, or certainly the first album process, anyway. Walls was such an intrinsic part of that. Um, and I wonder why we did... I wonder why we did it. I wonder why... I, I guess that's where maybe the confusions come from, in a sense that... i tell you what it probably is, you know... I wonder if there is two versions because we did that originally and it was on the very first EP we ever did as the B-side to Walls or the other side, whatever. I mean, to Take the Long Road. And then obviously we did New Instrumental as a secret track on the first album. And then we um, obviously did the second album. And I can, I bet there'll have been a point where we'll have thought, you know, are we going to put an instrumental as a secret track? And it'll have been like, well, what about Walls? I, I can only conclude that's kind of why that was done. I mean, as I've, I have alluded to before, I do remember we were slightly struggling uh, in terms of having enough to cover all the B sides and everything for for that. Oh, mind you, it's such a secret track in it. I'm just I'm just trying to amuse my way through why we ever really did another recording of that. Uh, but anyway, anyway, they're the, so the, similar the, too to me. They sound very similar. Yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> It's only ever been one thing as walls. It's not real. A lot of our songs go went through, go through like a period where they morph into what they become. Whereas walls was very kind of set early doors. Uh, but interestingly, the fierce panda version won by like sixty forty in the polls. So the fierce panda version of walls versus the second album secret track version. It was a sixty forty win for the fierce panda one. And Sticking with stuff that's on the Fierce Panda one, I'll jump to the one of the other polls was which version of Long Road do you prefer? Now this one fascinated me, absolutely fascinated me because if you'd have put, if you know, if I would have put a lot on the fact that the majority of people would prefer the very original version of the Fierce Panda off of off the first EP, but much to my surprise. Um, the debut album version of Long Road won the poll by 70 to 30 and you know there's 192 votes in the poll so it's not like fucking four people have voted there's yeah. 192 it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reasonable yet small but still reasonable cross section of people to judge something like that from uh, but and it did make me worth, wonder I, I'm camp debut album <laughs> right I, I prefer that version myself I, maybe i don't know if it's because it's the first one i heard you know i didn't hear uh the, the fierce panda till much later so i just i've always been debut album <laughs> that's my camp it's interesting it's interesting man because i mean and I, what i quite like was reading through some of some people's um justifications for the you know which one they prefer i found, I found that quite interesting i mean one thing i would say is that I think the very original version is a little bit slower. I think it's a tiny bit slower and therefore the groove works a little bit different. It kind of like, for me, it sort of sits back on the groove a little bit more. Whereas I find that the debut album version has more of an urgency. You know what I mean? It has more of an urgency in its energy, regardless of sonic qualities or anything like that or production value, just in terms of how the song works. I personally feel the energy in um, the version on the debut album in my mind, it carries its momentum in a different way. Yeah, somebody put on Twitter on the comments there, they said that the uh, the EP version had something special, hard to define, magic, emotion, but easily one of the uh, favorite tracks from, for, for this guy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the original version was magic. Like, as you say, absolutely magic. And a lot of people did ask why we re-recorded, um, you know, why we did a different version. And I think, the, you know, I, well, I'm sure I've talked about it before, um, but for anyone who has does have that sort of question of why did you do another version, it basically came down to, if you want to look at it simplistically, having everything under the same roof. 
rather than doing one track there and then a load of tracks here and putting them together it was we wanted to try and see how it would sound if we did it you know as part of the album process with Jim um and it was such a big song anyway and like that was the beauty of how we came onto the scene originally and how we did our releases and th- you know that's some of the genius of our management Tim Vigan and, and Tony Perrin and Rob Partridge at the time um that was part of the their sort of um expertise was because we had such a because it it's hard to ex- describe really because it was a limited vibe do you know what I mean it almost kind of gave us a license to redo it it's not like that came out and sold hundreds of thousands it was a you know there was a thousand out there it was like a hello here we are and we'll be back in a bit kind of thing rather than right this is our complete mission statement bang it wasn't that do you know what i mean it was just i don't know like putting ourselves letting letting people know we were in the postcode effectively before you know what we eventually turned it all into became um yeah for sure but yeah i I, th- I do think that I honestly thought people were going to prefer the original. I thought that. But again, it made me wonder how many people even realise there's two different versions and how many people well, on that haven't note, heard. Yeah. On that yeah. note, I've never heard of the Too High version uh, other than the debut album. So I was actually uh, pleasantly surprised to know there was something else to hear. Yeah. Well, and it's a while since I've listened to it. I mean, I can remember a lot of it in my mind in terms of how, you know, because I know it'll essentially be the same song. It'll just have slightly different things laid down on it. I imagine, because I remember going nuts on that first version. But, you know, just to, um, sorry, did I did I actually give the results of that? So that was 70-30 to the debut album. And then the last poll, or it was actually the second, but the last one I'm talking about is the which version of Too High. Um, and that was 67% in favour of the debut album and 33% in favour of the... Um, the first proper EP. It gets confusing because I call the first Panda our first EP, but wasn't really. Certainly not in my mind. You know, our first EP was you might as well try to fuck me. Um, which, you know, you just think, why the fuck did we name it that? <laughs> you know, I mean? well, the thing, well, that's what Rob was singing, and that's one thing that always. I don't even really, know what that means. Well, do I? Yeah, like what is it? Like who who are you talking to when you say that? Like I don't is that a, know. He fucking I don't even said know what that means. It's him. a weird thing. Yeah, <laughs> I ain't got a clue. I don't fucking give a shit. Do you know what I mean? Honestly, it was just like it, was, <laughs> it had an attitude when he was singing it, man. Like when he first yeah. started, when we first started writing that song, and he just started sitting back on that groove, uh, and like the verses, the fucking. You know what I mean? It's it's mad. Is that song? It's got like a fucking verse. Caught that verse vocally does. He's just so powerful, and then it just goes into and he just he, he was snarling that when we first wrote it, and um, yeah, it was just like at the time I just remember thinking that's what we need to capture. Do you know what I mean? And if yeah. that's what this song is called, then that's what this fucking song is called. And that is a nasty guitar riff. It's why it's the outro for this podcast because it is just so freaking like so much attitude on that guitar. It's funny. Every so often I'll get a message, like a DM and someone will be like, Hey, what's that song on the outro? And I'm like, Oh my goodness. You don't know. <laughs> Have I got a no, gift I'm, for you? <laughs> yeah. I, that, it, it's a, it's one of the easiest fucking riffs in the world to play is that it's just lazy and languid and you, and you can just play it open, which only in a guitar, you know, you can, well, what I mean is you can hammer that open A string and just riff on D and G and it just fucking makes it sound huge. Um, but yeah, it's a really simple riff, but like, honestly, I wish I had a photograph of the pedal chain that I had when we recorded that EP and, like, those guitar sounds. Because, I mean, I'll have to see about getting him on the podcast, man. Lenny Frankie was the producer we worked with on that first EP, and he was just fucking amazing. And he re- like, whereas a lot of the time I've had, to, I've had producers going, come on, Adam. That's enough pedals. No, 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 no. I know you. No, I know you like pedal. I know they've got lights on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they flash away. I know. But you've got enough now. Then, then I'm like, ah, have a fuck. Come on. There's still space on floor. Piss off. Get me some more fucking patch cables. You know what I mean? I want to link these son of a bitches up. Right. How many have you got? Thirty-four now. I'm up to thirty-four. I think you might have some signal degradation there. Don't matter. It's all going to add to the sound. Do you know what I mean? It's like, let's see how many of these fucking things I can plug in as once and what kind of noise I can make. Um, And 2i was... In fact, every song on that EP, you might... uh, What's the other one as well? Fucking hell, I can't even remember. Um, Treat Me Right On, is it? Like, I I had a whale of a time on that. You listen to that first EP, like, uh, you might as well try to fuck me, the EP is an entirety. And I just went nuts with overdubs on that. 
it's fucking loads but yeah the point with point being i've often had people sort of trying to restrain me for for good reason in a sense that you know you can't go too crazy but lenny was very much like do what you fucking want man you know if you want to connect 34 pedals up and lose half the signal you know it, it don't matter if as long as what comes out the other end makes you smile it makes me smile great man <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly and that is literally what i spent god knows how long connecting all these you know these gorgeous vintage uh electro harmonics pedals and mxr pedals and anything you could want that was one of the best things about going into these great studios just gear porn do you know what i mean all these vintage 70s fucking shit yeah uh when i say that i mean equipment not vintage 70s porn do you know what I mean? obviously, yeah, obviously yeah, i'm yeah. talking about equipment um, but yeah, it was, that was just like a toy shop, do you know what I mean? Just like a, an absolute sweet shop. And that's something I've talked about quite a lot. Did I talk about it on Welcome to the South? Obviously going into Southern Tracks and Brendan just being like, yeah, go grab a guitar from in that cupboard. And that cupboard is just like a, an endless corridor of racks and racks and racks of bloody guitars everywhere. Um, yeah, man. Very nice. I like to take full credit for the naming that podcast episode, Welcome to the South. I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It was a great episode, man. And I really, another one with us pictures on, which I really like. We've been talking, haven't we? You know, we've done we've done some cracking episodes, man. Fucking, what is it now, 56? And I've just reliving some of the moments myself the other night, like the fucking deep voice moment and the batiers <laughs> and just classic moments that were just entirely natural and just, oh, just fucking hell, will live long in the memory. Absolutely. <laughs> Alright, so this has been episode 56 anyway, and you heard it here first, it's soon going to be only 100 days until Pete Fletcher's going to be in the country. I know you can't contain your excitement either, me too. Um, yeah, but that first picture of us is going to be fucking epic, as long as you haven't co- have got COVID. You know, I, don't I gotta get a step ladder. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry mate, I'll pick you up and give you a hug, don't you worry. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. But you have got to have thick skin in this business, mate. I took a fucking jar jam, a jam, a jam, a fucking jar jam to fuck, jar jam, a, a jam jar. Why couldn't I fucking sort that out?